Hi, this is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night. So it's our Emmy recap episode, and the thing that struck me most about Sunday's telecast wasn't the win for Game of Thrones or the emergence of Fleabag. I have some writer friends who swear by that show. Uh, it was the fact that the Emmys followed suit with the Oscars and went hostless. Now you might think, Mike, who cares? What does it even mean? Well, it means we're being held prisoner by the Twitter world for fear of being offensive. And yes, while we shouldn't strive to offend, we shouldn't be so quick to succumb to this rampant victim culture either. You see, comedy's at a very dangerous crossroads. Just ask Dave Chappelle. Freedom of speech, freedom to be human, make mistakes, to laugh at ourselves is all at risk when we, even the biggest media giants on the planet are running scared from the very people who may or may not even be real. They might even be bots programmed to start trouble. And that's what has me just a little bit concerned. Well, that and the fact that Game of Thrones won because it really wasn't very good this season. Secrets of the Sire starts now. Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here on the Sire Studios digital network, youtube.com slash Secrets of the Sire and facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. And uh, you can catch us on Castworks Industries Comedy Network as well. Uh, I am your host, Michael Dolce. As always, I am joined by my co-host extraordinaire, the lord of the live stream himself, Hassan Godwin. <laughs> I'm like a co-host extraordinaire. Does that mean I'm an extraordinary co-host, or it's like um out of all the co-hosts in the aggregate of co-hosts, I am the most extraordinary? Is that is that how that? Kind of... It's a little bit of column A, a little <laughs> bit of column B. It all kind of goes. Fair enough. I'll take it. I'll take. I'll take any um uh, any any accolade at this point. I'll, I'll do it. So cool. I got to tell you before we get into, yeah. we've got Emmy stuff. We've got Collective Soul tonight, which is pretty yes. awesome. Uh, and we, uh, we're going to review the new J.J. Abrams-helmed uh, Spider-Man comic. Uh, I broke our own unwritten rule uh, over the weekend. Now, mind you, if, oh, I don't know boy. if you can tell, I'm a little under the weather. Um, I was in charge of both my children uh, this weekend. My, my wife, uh, deservingly so, got a weekend away uh, for a bachelor party with her friends. another parent put to me a long time ago, uh, <laughs> children are Petri dishes. So yes. are you saying, okay, so you... Yes. So you caught some kind of amalgamation of whatever. It actually whatever started after last week's show. Um, just, you know, with, with kids, you have to rearrange your schedule. And you have to work wherever you possibly can, or at least right. especially when you don't have like a nine to five like, like we don't um, or I don't. And, um, and I run myself ragged, uh, different off hours, and then they don't – like my, my three-year-old finally sleeps, but my – you know, one-year-old or soon to be one-year-old. She'll be happy birthday, Bella. She'll be one on Saturday. Congratulations. Um, Oh my God. Has it been a year already? It's been a year already. Yeah. Oh my God. He now gets up at five 30. So, you know, I can, I can work my tail off. Um, but unfortunately it it leaves me open to, uh, getting their germs. Both of them were sick last week and naturally now I am sick, but anyway, uh, watching the wizard. Do you remember the wizard? 1989 vehicle, Fred Savage. Oh my God! Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. It was on. It was okay. on HBO, and I was like, "This is awesome! I'm gonna watch it." Dude, totally forgot Christian Slater was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did I. Didn't even register. I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet out some stuff as I'm as I'm 
doing this because I think other people out there, and I did some stuff on Facebook and got a nice, got a nice response from my network of folks of like, Oh, look, it's the wizard. Yeah. We love that movie. Blah, blah, blah. We should do a retro yeah. review. It's an amazing, it is still actually a really good film. And I kind of wrote, and I thought it was really interesting. The fact that there was a girl video gamer, like, you know, she was the girl that they meet at the bus station when they're trying to get to California. And, mm-hmm. You know, she claims that she's really good and she's gaming. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, that whole Gamergate thing, like what a bunch of nonsense. There was girl gamers 30 years ago. And so I, of course, tweet that out. And I use the hashtag because I think at this point the hashtag has got to be like useless, right? I get so oh, many boy. negative responses to my response. One guy is You just, went out there. You went. You, you I pressed send. Head. Uh, I pressed yeah. send. You never. Your, and, your unmovable philosophy in life is don't hit send. I have actually, as many times as yeah. I've disagreed with you, as many times as Dolce doesn't know what he's talking about, the one, the one thing that has absolutely become part of my philosophy because of you is, no, nah, I don't need to send this. I don't need, <laughs> I, I don't need to but have so, this conversation so with anybody. So that's the funny part though, right? So I get hate from people who are still game. Gamer Gators? I guess yeah, it's exactly like Comics uh, yeah, Gators. They still exist. But he's like, he's like, actually, there's been gamers, there's been female Gators since the 70s, so you played yourself. And I'm sitting there going like, I'm like, but no, wait. I, I'm, like, I'm like, didn't I support? So now I'm, like, now I'm just totally confused. I have like a 100 degree fever. I'm just praying my kids <laughs> don't wake up. And I'm like, I don't fucking need this. Oop. Beep, bing. <laughs> like, I don't need this right now. Like, yeah, yeah, I, was like yeah. I was like, delete tweet. Just delete tweet. Like it was, it was. You a, deleted was, the tweet. Oh, I absolutely deleted the tweet. And and normally I would sit there and and, and be like a staunch, like you know, instigator and and kind of like really, you know, but troll. I like, you would you would troll. No, basically. I wouldn't troll. Oh no 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 no. I would retaliate. I would retaliate. I'm a retaliation troll. But no, in this case, I'm just like, I don't. You yeah, know, the, the mentality. I of, don't like you played yourself, <clears throat> even though you actually did say, well, no, no, didn't I just say? That there were there were and, female gamers, and the thing was is that this guy was this guy was re- representing himself as a gamer gator, and being like, we, "There's been so much misinformation about us," and this and then I was like, "Wow, it sounds like comics gate. It's interesting." Uh, and I'm sitting there going, "Like, I don't like. I'm just like, I'm not. I don't. I don't need this. <laughs> I just. I don't need this." So yeah, that's true. That's my foray that's... into gamer gate. You don't need. I mean, like, also, you can't be. You can't have played yourself without being complicit in playing yourself, right? Someone can't just announce that you played yourself. Like By you have speaking to, something factual. Yeah, but you have to have that. Someone said that to me a couple of, couple of weeks ago because I, I made a comment. Someone came back and said that the comment was not true and, mm-hmm. and whatever. And then someone else came along and was like, oh, this, this thread is so embarrassing. So I'm like, um, am I supposed to be embarrassed or does that mean you're embarrassed for me? Right. And then they were like, they were like, you you should be embarrassed for yourself because you're trying to be the smartest guy in the room. And I'm like, okay, well, if uh, if I should be embarrassed for myself, didn't work because I'm not embarrassed. If <laughs> if you're embarrassed for me, you're wasting your time because I'm not embarrassed. Right. And they actually said, I can see that. That was the, that was the last thing. They said. So like it, the 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 argument just kind of fizzled out. But yeah, man, people are just looking to flame you. You know, no yes. matter what you said. That's why yes. I am such a student of your philosophy. <laughs> There's no I, need to be having this conversation at all with any of these strangers. I will, I will at some point, 
have this conversation with strangers when I'm ready and prepared to deal with it. But I was well when you're when you don't have a hundred and five fever and yeah. kids screaming and wondering yeah. if you'll see if you'll actually even see tomorrow. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and with that, we will get into our sire bites. Oh. Boom. Uh, Game of Thrones ties Emmy record wins best drama series uh, despite a universally panned final season that saw fans start a change.org petition uh, signed by thousands. It's coming from the New York Daily News, which, by the way, attention New York Daily News with numerous grammatical and, and just typos everywhere. They're charging for their app now. Like, you, you could only read a certain amount. I'm like, dude, you're, you're not the New York Times. Like, anyway. So this, yeah. this, is, this is my last article for the month that I'm allowed to uh, read, apparently. Really? Um, wow. Asking for reshoots, the sprawling epic fantasy drama made History Sunday. Um, the eighth and final season of the wildly popular HBO series ended Sunday's award show by winning Best Drama Series to tie its own record for most Emmys for a single season of a show. Uh, the honor gave season eight 12 Emmys in 2019, matching a mark previously set by the show's fifth season in 2015. Uh, it had entered having already won 10 at last weekend's Creative Arts Emmys, leaving it just too shy. In addition to winning Best Drama Series Sunday, the show also saw Peter Dinklage win Best Supporting Actor for a Drama. So, <clears throat> we talked about this last week. Yes, we did. And we predicted this. Didn't we say something like, when they win for Best Drama or Best Writing or something like that? One of those two, one of those awards we were saying what they were going to win. Yeah. You know, then, then the joy will be to, to, to watch the heads explode of all these uh, these online, uh, uh, you know, gurus of uh, propriety or whatever who, who really despise that last season. I will be the first to say that that last season is tremendously flawed. Yeah. And it is, it, it ends in a way that it's easy to see how a lot of people were not satisfied with those endings. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy it won the award because I think it's an overall award. You know, it's an overall testimony to eight solid years. How many shows do we have that gave us eight years of anything? You know, it was on yeah. the top, the top to the point where it was it was on for eight years, and the mm-hmm. last episode had a seventeen million nineteen nineteen. I keep doing I, I keep doing that. Yeah, I keep taking two million off because I'm, I'm I'm in the discounts. A 19 million <laughs> um, uh, rating for the cast of, I can't talk. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. That 19 million uh, viewership, uh, that which is higher than the viewership of the premiere episode, you know? Right, right. I don't know if it was, if it was higher than the peak when the show was at its peak around season three and four. Definitely, so nineteen million is nothing to to sneeze at. That is that is not a that is not a, a dwindling uh, <laughs> a dwindling fan base by any stretch of the imagination. So, I think it's a testimony, just like the last uh, that last documentary that they had was kind of a testimony to. Yeah. Hey, look, there's a lot of people that go into making these things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work that goes into this stuff. Um, I I I'm happy that it was acknowledged that wanted to ward, you know, so there's just something to offset that narrative. You know, what's really funny. We hate everything. I'm actually okay with it winning best drama. um, Because like you kind of said, and I kind of agree, I think it's, it's kind of a culmination award. You know, at this point, it really was the best drama on TV for the last eight years. And I know obviously, yes, it made the last season paled in comparison to its own benchmark that it set. 
and I agree, it was not executed necessarily the best, no. even compared to the other nominees. I do, but at the same time, it's like this thing is this thing is monumental and it's, it's a juggernaut. I mean, they're still talking about prequels, and see, and people are still excited <laughs> to see these prequels. Like, I don't, I don't see a lot of people going, "I'm never watching right. another production from you know." It's not happening. No, and then I mean, it's, and they're they haven't even turned on the creator. You know, so, they're they're saying they're literally saying because of George Martin's absence that this this is why this happened. So it's the it's, award it's, though, the award though that I actually f- dispute the most is Peter Dinklage's to win for that season because he's won three other times. See, Game of Thrones, what they actually did was they voted then the best drama, and it's a cumulative effort. And I was like. But they didn't give any of the other actors because, I mean, uh, every single actor was nominated in every single category. And they no, no, not one of them won, except for Peter Dinklage. I don't know why Peter Dinklage wins. They actually, Alfie Allen was nominated and for, for his, uh, you know, uh, for, for Reek and for, you know, for On Game of Thrones. Theon. I, I wish, well, yeah, sorry, Theon, yeah. He should have won. But yes, you are right, also, also Reek. Yeah, I couldn't think of his. Right I couldn't think of his name. Him. I had to think of yeah. Rick, but um, you know, Dinklage kind of not that he phoned it in. He still gave great performances, but but the execution of his character in the last season was not necessarily the best it had been in his in previous seasons. So having him kind of win was kind of like, uh, maybe like I guess so. I don't know. I I would have I would have actually rather have seen Alfie Allen take home the prize if anyone. Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been nice if he. Um, he was able to take something away from that. But, but the rest, I, it's like they basically shut out every other award for Game of Thrones. So, you know, uh, of the top categories. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that. I'm actually looking up the other Best Actor nominees as we speak here. There I was, thought Amelia Clark should have won something. I know, she, I know she's won the award. At least once. No, I don't know. She has not. She always, she always ended up missing out. Really? Yeah. She never got an Emmy once. She got nominated. For... She got nominated. And they gave it to Dinklage. And he's got it like three times. I mean, right? I'm looking. So here's the thing. I am looking up some of the other nominees right now. You had uh, Nicolaj Coaster Waldau, who played, you know, uh, Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alfie Allen, also nominated. Uh, then you had John Carl Esposito, Better Call Saul, and Jonathan oh, Banks, Better Game Call Saul. That's not Game of Thrones. <laughs> Michael Kelly, House of Cards. Chris Sullivan, oh, This Is are, Us. These are these are not Game of Thrones people. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, what are we talking about now? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? I think. Is that your fever? I think. And Nicolaj Coaster. Waldo or Waldo. Waldo. Yeah. Or Alfie Allen over over Dinklage, I guess you got to give it to Game of Thrones then at that point for for because it's just there's a lack of other like huge. I don't mind Peter Dinklage winning because I think I I mean it's like um <laughs> it's like the unprecedented uh, you know um, aspect of the the Sopranos yeah to have a character named Big Pussy. <laughs> and have everybody calling him Big Pussy all over the place, all over the television on news, on, on you know, on news broadcasts and and um, and on night, you know, like uh, night talk shows and stuff like that. Right. Like, 
I was that's unprecedented. It's like, wow, we're this guy's just and that's just a character name. And we're all just we're all just all right. We're calling him Big Pussy, you know, on on the air on on national television. The same with, <clears throat> let's face it, the same with Peter Dinklage. You for you forget that that man is a is a, is a dwarf. You forget right. that he's a is yeah. a, a you know he's is it little person little person right? Is a little person. He's transcended the physicality of his presentation, even though the entire role was about him being a dwarf in the, yeah. in the, in the, in the TV show. You do not look at him as a small person. No, no, you don't. Now that's, that's a, that's not a testimony to us. That's, that's a tribute to him. We right. shouldn't be looking at anybody, uh, you know, to, uh, by the, and judging them by their physicality. We shouldn't, but we do. The, the truth is, we can't help it. I mean. is we do. No, we, we shouldn't. We can we can help it. We just don't. You can you can help it. But but anyway, it doesn't matter. That's another. That's a you can help different. not to judge. But I, I think well, that's what I'm talking about. When you naturally see something that is someone that is different. Yeah, I mean, you can fight that. A, you don't. You don't. It doesn't have to be the way you react. You don't have to be you can right. Control that. Right. Stop the, the, the wrong wrong discussions. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> So I mean that is a testimony to him, you know, and that he's that he was he's Oliver Trask, and that he was uh, he was he was one of the dwarves in um Ragnar in, not in, in in Infinity War, right? Yep, Infinity War, yep. And just yeah, you know, I mean the man is the man. He gets, actually looked just like that on stage when he accepted his award too. Oh, really? I mean, had a really? thick thick beard too. He is maybe he's in for the new Thor movie. Yeah, good good for whatever he's doing, <coughs> you know. I mean, he is not a small person, you know. He is he is a little person physically. He's not a small person. Um, tr- he's a his tremendous presence, character. His presence. His presence. You're, you, yeah, you're. And yeah. and that is and that is testimony to himself that he transcended that. that Don't get became. canceled now, Hassan. Don't get canceled. Let's come on. So you're. I was in no danger of getting canceled. But anyway, Emmy I never winners. Anything wrong? Emmy winners by the numbers. Most winners by network. HBO thirty four. Netflix twenty seven. Amazon Prime fifteen. However, that being said, and then there's a, a list that goes kind of down there. Uh, the big winners, though, was that uh, not just HBO beating Netflix as a year ago. They tied with 23 wins. Uh, HBO kind of took the place back. But streamers, uh, why Netflix may have won more awards, but Amazon was arguably streaming's big winner. The company had its best Emmy season yet with seven wins for Marvel's Miss Mizell. Fleabag, which took home surprise best actress category uh, and also best... S- best win like overall um uh yeah what it was hard to overstate what a surprise fleabag's win was upsetting some major favorites in veep and miss mizell uh so she she took home and they took uh for the writing category she won for uh phoebe waller bridge won for best lead actor uh best leading yeah best lead uh, female actor uh so it's really uh an amazing show and for purposes of our show even though it wasn't hosted by anyone, uh, Homer Simpson kicked it off with an animated intro. Okay. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. Them. People were, people were kind of knocking it because they had no host. This is the times that we live in now, right? Where uh, these award ceremonies are now afraid of having a host, someone hosting the show. Because Oscars did that too with the whole Kevin Hart's uh, saga too. All right. Well, what do you, what do you think they're afraid of getting canceled? <laughs> yeah. 
They are. They're afraid of the negative instantaneous backlash. You succumb to the fear, then you, you get what you deserve. Right? You succumb to the fear, you get a cartoon a host. That's what uh, that's how that works. I mean, to be fair, Homer Simpson's pretty awesome. The ironic part is <clears throat> they had Homer Simpson up there who on a big giant, you know, screen obviously, but it looks like he's really there, like the way mm-hmm. it, the way it plays off. And they kind of like shoot over a shot of the Kardashians as it's happening, yeah. and they're kind of like you can see they're kind of like laughing, but kind of judgmental. This is like, why is this animated person, like this not real person, uh, you know, kicking off the Emmys? And I couldn't help but think of the irony of that, you know. And I, mind you, I am just picking this all from a glance of their reaction. And, and Right. Right. You don't know exactly what they were thinking. Uh, probably know, like, know. probably like, meow, 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 meow. Oh, boy. All right. Come on. That was a Homer Simpson. Yeah, the views expressed by Michael Dolce do not happen to be the views of Hassan Godwin. (laughs) Come on, that was a throwback to Homer. That was a perfect Homer Simpson throwback. I know. Perfect. I know. But you're you're about to get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get canceled, Michael Dolce. Trust me. After my Gamergate saga, I can't get canceled (laughs) at this point. I'm untouchable. Because I will just delete this tweet. Nobody Um, is immune to cancellation. I know. We will cancel you all. The final uh, Emmy thing we want to talk about, too, is uh, Family Guy. They had a nice little Family Guy uh, moment where they crashed the Emmys, talking about how Roseanne Barr and Bill Cosby uh, were the height of people honored at the Emmys many years ago, and they want to know who the next Roseanne Barr and Bill Cosby were going to be. That's that's, that's tacky. That's not cool. That's not cool. Even people, even they yeah. caught flack for that. Why is it not cool though? I mean, come on, it's funny. That's not cool. I mean, like leave funny. it there. Like you know, Roseanne. That's you know, it's not funny that she lost her whole career, you know, off of some stupid tweet, you know. And I don't I don't disagree with it, but it's still not something I would laugh at. You know, it's not something I would make fun of. Um, and the Bill Cosby thing, man, that's touchy all around. You know, that's just oof. Isn't the purpose of comedy though to take uncomfortable? I don't know. Things? I don't. I don't. I don't get into that argument. What's the purpose of comedy? <laughs> We're on a comedy you know? network now. We have to be funny. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting into that. I'm not getting into that. You can. I've. I've laughed at things that are not, you know, uh, detrimental to others. You know. I mean, it, everything is funny. Everything can be made into a joke. Everything yeah. is funny. There's still. There's still a character. There still has to be couth. You know, there's mm-hmm. still got to be a little bit of craftsmanship and quality to how you make your joke in whatever. So, I mean, the, the, the complaint that we're a, an oversensitive society, of course we are. We always were. We always were. Re- we've always been a reactionary people. We've always been like that, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's not, it's not, it doesn't denote that something terrible has been lost because you can't go out and make a bunch of dick jokes, you know, and, 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 and get an Emmy anymore it's not that's it's what not about a sign this? that we're regressing it really what about is. this thomas lennon uh from who i love the fact that thomas lennon uh has had a career because i was a big fan of the state mtv's the state yeah, when I was a kid yeah. is like one of my famous i remember so that he actually took to the intermissions uh and would make these jokes again this is because there was no host right mm-hmm. and he made the remark about uh these Emmys are brought to you by all, or are being seen by millions of people in jail right now. We hope those two weeks fly by uh, as a little nod to Felicity Huffman. Come on, that was funny. That's fun. Right? Uh, or something like to all the previous winners who are now in jail. 
or previous nominees, something like that. But it was a direct jab at like I don't know. Yeah, it is. That's that's fine. I mean, it's not <laughs> terrible. That's where you draw the line. You're like, you're like this one's okay. I mean, I'm I'm not. Look, even the Roseanne joke is okay. I'm not saying they're not okay. They should these jokes shouldn't happen. I'm just saying they're they're tacky. You know, like there's like oh come on man, and it's it is touchy. Like you have to be a a particular kind of comedian to be able to pull off those jokes. Because even a Bill Cosby joke, even with Bill Cosby as a butt of of your jokes, right? You're talking about a man who assaulted several people. You know, yes. somewhere underneath it all, there's the ugliness of the crime that's there. Even while you're laughing, you know. Now, I'm not saying that you're not are... laughing at the crime. We're laughing at the fate yes, of the yes of the and criminal. no. Yes and no. Yes and no. He's a criminal, and he's on your mind. Because of his crimes. So, yes and no. It's okay. arguable to say either one. So, I'm just, I just don't dabble in those waters. But I'm not going to get into uh, dictating whether something should or shouldn't happen. I'm just saying it's tacky. I, get, I, have, I reserve the right to say that's a tacky joke. You know? What is never... inarguable. What is, what is not arguable at all. Is that our next guest is unbelievable. We have Collective Soul coming on to talk about their new album, Blood, which uh, hit a couple months ago, and their tour. It's very exciting. It's very amazing. And that is coming up next. Check out the all-new Sire Studios website, sirestudiosinc.com. Find all your back issues for The Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more, and be on the lookout for news and announcements convention appearances, and brand new podcasts coming to Sire Studios. That address again is sirestudiosinc.com. I'm everything my 19-year-old self fought hard to not be. Yes, you are the... It's like 19-year-old self is like, You've become what you hate. You've become the enemy. 19-year-old self, don't sell out. <laughs> yeah, 39-year-old self is like... Sell out every night. Out. <laughs> like, sell it out, baby. First sell sign of trouble. First side of trouble fell out. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, pop culture, and music every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. So really thrilled uh, with our next guest. Uh, we have the bass player, bassist Will Turpin from Collective Soul joining us. Will, how you doing, sir? Yeah, doing good, man. Uh, it's, it's a thrill having you on. Uh, loved your band for a long time now. Ironically enough, I didn't get into, them as, didn't get into you guys as much uh, in 94 when you guys kind of like broke big. Uh, got into you a little bit later, kind of discovered your CDs and uh, when I was in college a few years later, and it became like one of those theme tracks to my senior year of college. So I have hints and allegations, you know, hints and allegations and things left unsaid are, are just, it's, it's, uh, it, it was like a soundtrack to my senior year. So it was, uh, it's pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 25 years for Collective Soul now. I mean, we were, um, I was in my senior year of college and we got signed to Atlantic Records, but yeah, we don't, I mean, 25 years later, you get a perspective where you don't really take it lightly that people have allowed uh, Collective Soul to become the soundtrack to their lives or, or their memories or, you know, or their greatest moments. 
Yeah, no, and it, it really, I mean, it's, it's so amazing to me. It really is uh, just, uh, you know, how lucky and fortunate I am to kind of talk to you guys. Uh, but it's also just a testament to your guys' music, um, you know, as well that, you know, 25 years later, you guys are still, you know, as strong as ever. Yeah, we feel that way. We, we definitely, when we get together and create right now, we still, I mean, I still get those moments where, you know, the hair stands up on my arm and I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, that's music is, uh, music is, is kind of like one of the last kind of magics in the world, really. I mean, it can, it can heal you. you it, it's a tangible energy that you can, that can do so many things for humans. And, uh, and we still, you know, it, it boils down to emotion kind of, uh, and when it's right, we still feel, we still get that feeling when it's right that we've always had for 25 years now. Very cool. I want to get into the, your past a little bit, but, uh, but I want to start with the new record. Uh, the new record's Blood. Uh, it's been out, uh, it's called Blood. It's been out for a few months now. Uh, when I got my hands on it, the thing that struck me, uh, and my co-host, who's, who's not on, the, uh, on this particular recording, is like, don't insult him. I said, no, 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 this is not an insult. This is actually a really good thing. I feel like it could be in 1999 or 2019. Like, I feel like this record could be, I could have picked this up anywhere. And I actually don't mean to say that it's dated. I mean, it, it just fits so nicely in what you guys have done uh, that it just feels like, like, like vintage collective soul. Uh, what do you guys feel about the record? Yeah, I mean, you know, we got we've got a lot of close friends who are musicians who give us those kind of insights and, and their opinions, as well as people like you that are in the industry that that take the time to listen to everything out there. But uh, yeah, we've kind of heard that a couple times. Like, man, this sounds fresh, crisp. It sounds like it could be 2019, but it also sounds a little bit like it would have been fresh and crisp in 1999 too. So. I kind of get know what you're saying there, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from our perspective, the creators, like it's just for us, it's just try not to overanalyze too much and do what do what feels right to us and yeah. go with that. You know? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the tracks. So the standout track for me was "Right as Rain." Um, you know, I, I love uh, how conflicted E feels in that song about the contemporary world. Uh, what tracks are you guys really like? You know, jamming out these days when you're playing uh, live. Yeah, Riders Rain comes off really easy, and we love playing that song a lot. Matter of fact, that's probably the oldest song on the CD because we played it on tour uh, all through 2018. That mm -hmm. whole summer, we we went ahead and played that song a lot. Uh, we enjoy playing Crushed. That's a that's a cool rhythmical uh, juxtaposition that that Johnny Rab kind of started, and then I get to you know be part of that, and we get to play all around the beat. Uh, so I love Crushed. Mm -hmm. As far as overall themes and overall songs, I'm I'm a sucker for the pop, smooth pop riders, kind of like um, Big Sky. I've always, I always thought okay. Big Sky was great. Love the theme and the idea of that song. It's funny you mentioned that that was actually playing right before you called because I'm just, I'm, I'm uh, you know, listening to the record uh, right before you guys uh, jumped on here, and uh, it's got, it's got what a great, such a great hook to it that it's still in my head right now as we're talking. So it's kind of funny you point that one out. Yeah, um, and it's just a simple theme, you know. There's something bigger, bigger out there than us, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of your music too. I mean, it has a spiritual edge to it, uh, or a spiritual—not not edge. I'm not. It's not the right word, but a, a spiritual tone to it. But yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't feel inaccessible. Uh, is that something uh, you guys? Oh well, yeah. I mean, that's right? a good way to say it. Inaccessible. Yeah, we never wanted. You know, we grew up Christians. Ed Dean's father was a minister. Ed Dean's father was one of my first music directors uh, mm -hmm. he was choir director at the church when i was a kid but we grew up christians but we never wanted we never wanted our music or anything we did to be 
inaccessible to somebody else from another religion or something, you know? Uh, so that was kind of a big deal for us to, you know, we, we, we have a Christian background and we were all Christians, but we don't, we don't want, we don't want our music pigeonholed and labeled as Christian mm-hmm. music. We want, uh, and I think Jesus would say the same thing. I think he would want uh, everybody, you know, all, yeah. all the children of the world, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. This one's a, a very personal record uh, for E as well, too, uh, because I know there was yeah. uh, issues with his uh, with his sister and and uh, and his wife having to deal with uh, with certain things. Do you feel comfortable talking a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, lyrically, I think Ed, uh, to, to me, lyrically, the whole this blood as a whole, uh, Ed really, really took it to another level as far as what he was dealing with. Either you know, either watching you know, his wife and his sister-in-law, you know, go through what they went through, uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, all kind of personal experiences. I, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it, and it's, it's part to do with just getting older too. You know, we're, we experience more things in life as we get older, things mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're younger, your dad, and mom didn't really tell you this is what life's about, but it, it is, you know, these horrible things happen all the time. And, and um, you know, uh, lyrically and musically, th- these things can be therapy and these things can be uh, healing powers as well. And uh, man, you know, like I said, uh, Ed was, Ed's lyrics are really impressive on this entire record. So. Yeah, no, they really they really stood out to me uh, in this particular uh, record as I was listening to them. I knew something was going on and then I did a little more research. Uh, in my research, uh, I, I, f- I discovered that uh, Ed did not even really want to be in a band. Uh, he he had sent out Shine as a uh, pitch for songwriting, and then it kind of took off. Is that how you remember it, or how did how did yeah, how did you no, guys get together? Be, that would have been, uh, you know, that would have been '93 when he's talking about mm-hmm. the first record that was also pitched as as a singer songwriter demo. Um, when Ed was young, and you got to remember, me, Ed, and Dean have known each other mm-hmm. my entire memory. I've known them, but. No, of course, when Ed was young, he wanted to be in a band. He he bought his first guitar. He worked endlessly. Uh, you know, I we we used to use, uh, Ed was 29, right, when when we got signed. So mm-hmm. we people would be like, oh, what, what about this overnight success? And we'd always say, well, yeah, it's 10 years of overnight success, <laughs> right? Um, Ed worked tirelessly on his craft, whether it was uh, at my father's studio, Reel to Reel, yeah, as head engineer and and working on his own songs there, or playing live. He played live all the time. I I think what gets confused about that story is that he had worked on it for a long time, and he had a beautiful songwriting songwriter demo at this point, where some of those songs were band songs, some of them were completely done by Ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was, you know, he he was definitely trying to uh, trying to get into any outlet possible with his right. his with his skills. So yeah, there was a moment where, but the band was never really not a band either in the same breath. So yeah, it's, if that helps, I don't know if that helps or not. Well, it does. The thing that I love about it too is, uh, I mean, I, I experienced a career renaissance in my industry around 35 and I love reading that he's like, well, I'm 30 years old. No one's going to sign a band that's, you know, right. for, that has a 30 year old as a, as a lead singer. And, and I just, you know, I, I love, I, I, you know, for me, that was, it was a very, uh, uh, you know, uh, I personally attached myself to that, uh, you know, end of it. So it's kind of, it's kind of neat. Now you guys were younger though, or you're the same age or how does that, how does that work? Yeah, so um, Ed's six and a half years older than me, um, mm-hmm. but we grew up in a tiny little town. I really would like a, 
a quintessential collective soul documentary so people can realize what, yeah. how small this circle was. Um, they grew up a couple streets over from me. The, the Baptist church was in that same circle. And then my uh-huh. father's studio was in that same circle. And I, I'm telling you, it's, it was no more than a third of a mile radius of all those things in this small town in Georgia. And, and without all, all of those ingredients, uh, there is no collective soul. I think all of those ingredients were part of what made the band. Um, Who are your uh, influences then? Yeah, so I grew up mainly in the 80s. Uh, so the 80s influences, you know, R.E.M. would have been real big to us because they mm-hmm. were, you know, right out of Athens. We were proud of that. U2, NXS, um, all, all the cool 80s stuff. Of course, Tom Petty, big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and then a lot of 70s and 60s. The Beatles are probably my biggest influence. Mm-hmm. Queen, Elton John, all those things are still really kind of the core of our favorites. Uh, yeah. And, but we find, man, there's so much good music out there right now. And then, uh, you know, you, you've got all kind of good rock bands out there crushing it. What's the, uh, what's the studio process like? I mean, who's bringing songs in? I know you, you mentioned Ed being, uh, you know, a, a primary songwriter, but you'd mentioned you guys bringing in tracks as well, too. Is it, is it a shared collective? Uh, oh, collective, huh? I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get that word? Ed brings in a, a number of songs that are constructed kind of, the arrangement's basically there. We'll tweak mm-hmm. it. Uh, we'll transform some parts and make it, okay, yeah, okay, now it's starting to sound like a collective soul song. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then, there's there's certainly some songs that spring out of a, a jam session or a riff, and uh, mm-hmm. we develop that into a collective soul tune, too. Uh, and, and usually with those examples, you know, Ed will, Ed comes up with melodies, and you know, he'll, he'll fake some words or maybe come up with one hook, and then, you know, he'll kind of fill in the blanks with lyrics later. Off air, uh, my co-host and I were talking to, and uh, your band to us is one of those bands that is just deceptively successful. Uh, it's it's one of those things where you listen to a song. I had I, I took a girl a girlfriend a long time ago uh, to a concert, and she's like, "Well, I didn't know this band did that. I didn't know this band played this." And 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 I said, "I said, yeah, you know, that's that's. I feel like what you guys are. I feel like you guys have had so many hits, but people, you know, wouldn't necessarily tie you with." these hits uh is is that something you guys feel or or how do you how do you guys approach your own success yeah i mean that's definitely been part of collective souls um you know thing is that we we started out wanting to be known about known for our music and Mm -hmm. we focused on songs and we focused on how much music we could put out there i mean the first five years we recorded four records yeah and uh, we were always just chomping at the bit to do more music more music and uh, and, and we wanted to be known for our music. And then somewhere along the line, you know, maybe we didn't go out and hang out with enough, uh, I don't know, models, or maybe we didn't raise <laughs> enough help and get arrested or something. But yeah, I mean, still 25 years later, no doubt, almost every time if somebody's never seen us live or, mm-hmm. or, they're, or they're, they're, they're fans, but they, they're not really hardcore fans. Still to this day, twenty five years later, I didn't know y'all played all those songs. So, I mean, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the what it is? And it's a good it's it, it's a good issue to have, really. But we've realized that we realized it years ago, and it, <laughs> you know, it's still there. <laughs> what uh, what's the tour? What's the set list like on tour? The set list is uh, you know it's another good problem to have. You know, having over a hundred songs at this point catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's you know it's really just it's about celebrating life and getting everybody in the room and ex- exchanging these energies and emotions and, and, um, you know, getting everybody to sing along and forget about 
some of the other things going on in your life and just let go for a while, really. Um, and as far as the songs we pick, we're definitely, we definitely don't shy away from the hits. We, mm-hmm. we appreciate the fact that, like I said, these songs have, these songs have become the soundtrack to people's lives. So uh, we're, ex- we're always excited to play the hits. We, we throw some new twists on there. Like December is a very long version. And uh, mm-hmm. we take the solo section out a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we're playing like five new tunes from blood right now. Cool. And uh, we, we try to squeeze in some other, some other deeper cuts, but um, you know, as you mentioned with all the hits, it kind of, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we just, you know, we try to make it fun for us, fun for the crowd, and uh, play as many of the hits and as well as many of the new stuff and many of, as many of the uh, deeper cuts as we can. But, God, there's just so many songs. We can't do them all. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's like I said, it's, it's actually very remarkable, too. I mean, you go down your, your, your discography and it's like, wow, okay, yeah, there was this one. Oh, yeah, I love this one. And, you know, and, and again, my co-host and I were just talking. He's like, oh, The World I Know is my favorite you know, is his favorite track. And I'm like, oh, I love that song, but it's not my favorite. This is my favorite. He's like, oh, I, yeah, I forgot about that one. And I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, it just, you know, you kept going, you go back and forth. You're like, wow, this is, it's really, really impressive. So uh, kudos to you guys. So we are a pop culture uh, show. Uh, we talk about not just music, but we, uh, we, we talk about just uh, comics, movies, and TV. Uh, are you into any of that stuff? Is the band into any of that stuff? Are you, what are you guys streaming these days? Are you, when you're on the tour bus, is there uh, you know, anything pop culture related? Game of Thrones? Anything that... Yeah, that- game of, I was going to go straight to Game of Thrones. We, we were all hooked, hooked real big with that and uh, just love it. You know, love the whole, the whole thing. Um, we're big Star Wars fans too. I mean, we we grew up in the '80s, so yeah. I mean, somehow deep in my brain, I still think Star Wars is real somewhere, somewhere <laughs> in the far, far galaxy. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> what, uh, did, what did you think of the last season of Game of Thrones? Because that's actually one of the things we were talking about tonight. Because it just won the Emmy, but a lot of fans are divided yeah. about, you know, how I it mean, ended. I think there's. I think the writing was so brilliant. I think the storylines can go on and go on and keep going on. And I, and I think they decided to end it. And I don't, I, I'm not sure there would have been like a really perfect, smooth way to end it. I, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I love some of the scenes, um, the hound and the mountain. I mean, that scene sure. was amazing. I, I loved it. But I do feel like they had all of a sudden, the writers were like, well, we got to tie this thing up somehow. Let's just start tying it up. <laughs> and they didn't, I mean, because they could have kept writing for seasons up on end. You know, they just could have kept going. But it did have a little bit of that. Oh, we're just, we just got to tie things up. I don't know. Yeah. Tie this up. Let's just tie it up. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely felt a little clunky in terms of, uh, you know, I, we, our argument was if they'd have just done two full seasons, I think everyone would have been happy. They, you know, the shortened seasons, you know, really they crammed a lot into those last, you know, two seasons of six episodes. And I each. think that's probably what people are feeling more than anything, how much they crammed in there. And, mm-hmm. and some of the sloppy, a little bit, like you said, a little clunky, the way they tied some of the stuff together at the end so getting back to blood real quick uh, and then again i appreciate your time um the thing again i had mentioned at the beginning of the interview was how it it seamlessly it fits into you guys uh discography and also just you know it could have came out in the 90s it could come out in 2019 uh you mentioned some good bands today what are you listening to today and what do you think the rock style is because i gotta be honest with you i can't i could i can pick apart uh, being a rock music historian, I can pick apart just different eras and say this was this era and this was this era and there's a subgenre and this era. And I feel like today with streaming and with, with everything, I, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what 
the not sound. a definitive style. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that. I, I think you're on to something there. There really kind of isn't a definitive rock and roll style right now. Um, that being said, I, I, it can be also a good thing to have so many different sounds and so many different uh, influences coming at you. I mean, you got anything from uh, Greta Van Fleet, which, you know, mm-hmm. hearkening the days of Led Zeppelin to, uh, you know, the, all kind of good bands out there. Young the Giant, I know they've been around a decade now, but I love oh, yeah. that band. Great rock band. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of distorted guitars, but it's rock and roll. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, Young, y- Young the Giant is actually a very underrated band too. I got to interview them a few years ago, and uh, and they're they're awesome. I mean, uh, they're I'm they're... a big fan. So yeah, I dig that. What do you think? So you mentioned Greta Van Fleet. They're the only band that is commercially, I feel like, who hasn't been around for 20 years. Uh, you know, making any kind of headway. Uh, is there anything, any other up and coming band that you've you guys have maybe heard of or listened to or maybe you know even got a chance to to see at a festival or tour that that we should be aware of? I mean, up and coming. I pro- I'm probably gonna think of three or four names right now. As soon as I get off the thing. Royal Tusk is some friends of ours, and they're getting some good marks on there. They're getting some good, uh, really good feedback on their second record out of Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check out Royal Tusk. They just opened up, did some shows for opening up for Slash uh, oh, very in the cool. states. So when the very Canadian very cool. bands cross over to the states, I know something's good ha- is happening for them. Um, very, very cool. Yeah, and I'll I'll think of a few more when I get off the phone. (laughs) Well, uh, Will, I appreciate your time. I appreciate taking time out. Um, You guys are in Huntington next, correct? Huntington, New York, is that right? Yeah, Yeah, we're in uh, Concord, New Hampshire tonight. We're somewhere else tomorrow. I don't know, man. I'll I'll be there, though, wherever it is. (laughs) Well, uh, (laughs) really appreciate you taking some time out. Everyone out there, go go pick up Blood. It's great. Go check out Collective Soul Live. It, uh, they are amazing. Uh, Will Turpin, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, cheers, man. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Oh, look. Kid Heritage is fighting Cersei again. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that something. <laughs> Ain't that something. Are they gonna? Are they gonna bring Daenerys? In? Are they gonna? Yes. Marvel's attempt. This is Marvel's attempt to do like it. do it all. Just to retcon the ending of Game of Thrones. Isn't maybe it? no. Maybe this will be how they do it. They're gonna do it. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Uh, definitely want to thank our guests, Collective Souls. Pretty awesome. Uh, they're amazing. The new record is really, really good, especially if you're into them. Uh, if you're not into them. I still think The World know. I Know is one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You no, know? they 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 have... Very, I mean, uh, not sad as in like a bad, sad song, but like a really good, like moving, uh, emotional piece of... Uh, piece of music they have very, so many uh, like closet hits that you just wouldn't even know yeah they're hits. like the eagles they're like the, they're they're like our modern i mean not to the to the caliber of the, what the eagles right. turn out to be but they are when you i remember watching a concert of theirs a couple of uh you know like a couple of years ago and they, they played one or two hits like you know um mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Well, then they're about done. And then they played another one and another one and another. And I'm like, wow, these guys have a lot of hits. Like, yeah. Like, you know, how many songs do these guys have? And they, 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 they kind of rolled out maybe at least 10 in this small segment that I watched. Yeah. That, that are well-known songs. So, yeah, I mean, those, those guys are not a joke. I mean, it's just funny because the world I know, the reason I, I said that is that album didn't even reach, uh, is it, not even like one of their best-selling albums. Their no. best-selling album is uh, Hints and Allegations. Uh, and then their 1997 album Blender, I think, is the next one, or it may not be Blender. I forget what it is, but that's the one that's their that that was one of their top selling albums too. So just just to think, like you mentioning a song, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, that song. but that, and the and album in and of itself, what didn't didn't blow through, but if but the world I know is everywhere. Yeah, like that song will oh, come and up. No, December is also a big hit off that yeah. album too. So it's like it's it's crazy. So we, we, again, awesome. That's kind of the cool part about this job is to be able to talk to really. Uh, you know, people that grew up listening to or, or you know, especially in the music world. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Byer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, Steve Hovecki, our program director, Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. We do this every week. We go spinning the racks. Spin the rack, spin the rack. <laughs> Life. As we've been doing, uh, we've we've transformed this into the behind the scenes of the books you need to read because they are going to be the books that uh, the, the comic books that are eventually going to make their way up on screen. In tonight's particular case, we there's no greater example of the two worlds meshing than our review of Spider-Man number one, which just hit last week. Uh, it was on our uh, books to uh, read list, uh, you know, the must-have reads for the week of the 18th. Uh, why? Because it was helmed by none, none other than the man of mystery himself, as coined by Marvel. J.J. Uh, Abrams. Man, man in the mystery box. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and his son, Henry Abrams, uh, who joined forces with superstar artist Sarah Pacelli. Uh, or sorry, it's Pacelli. Fantastic artist. Oh, she's Fantastic. amazing. Yeah. Um, and they bring out a new Spider-Man book. Uh, so if you haven't read it yet, uh, what are you waiting for? Go out and go out and get it. It's great. Go check it out. All right. That's, Did you that's, honestly think it was great? You no, honestly, actually, it's, it, it's great that they should go out and get it. It's great that they should get it. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. So it opens up in the future, uh, or it doesn't even open up in the future. It technically opens up in the present. It's Spider-Man and Mary Jane. It's a very similar. It's a very familiar uh, kind of opening. Uh, something is happening. We're in the we're in the prime. Yeah, it's Earth, pro- right? We're in the prime. Uh, uh, we'll whatever, get to that. Marvel we'll get universe. to that. Yeah, no, we'll get to that in a second. It looks like we're in the prime universe because as Peter and Mary Jane, uh, some calamity is is has befallen the Brooklyn Bridge, and there's these alien things, and this villain called Cadaverous shows up. Blah blah, blah. and as is typical fashion. Spider-Man says, run, Mary Jane, run. Uh, but she can't because... <laughs> Danger. Danger, is, Mary Jane. And again, this is spoilers. By page six, she has a spiked arm of cadaverous through her heart, and she is no more. And you're sitting there going, what the F? Uh, the next page is the funeral, and there's a young lad there uh, with a definitively red hair-ish. Uh, holding Peter Parker's hands, and you realize this is, as we talked about last week, uh, this is Ben Parker. This is the son of Mary Jane and Peter Parker, so this is Peter taking Parker. place 
in another alternate yes, Earth. Another a future, a, a, an alternate <laughs> but futuristic, uh, right? A depiction of the Marvel universe, right? Right. And then so you jump immediately forward. Uh, ben Parker is now a teenager. He's discovering that he is Spider-Man as well too. He's kind of pissed off all these years. Uh, his dad is a traveling news reporter, I guess, or something, because it did not yeah. quite say exactly what he was. But he's, you know, he's he's definitely older. He's got a hook for a hand now. So Spider-Man had some tough some tough battles along the way. Apparently, his son didn't know he's his dad was Spider-Man. Spider-Man of course, Aunt May uh, reveals at the end uh, that you should go check out these box full of love letters and a Spider-Man costume. And this is where we're going to start to see the father-son connection, which is apparent in the J.J. Abrams-Henry Abrams connection. They decided to take this story and run with it. Uh, my initial reaction to it, A, beautifully drawn. Sarah Pichelli is unbelievable. She is, like, she is just so good. She is so good at creating depth with just a single line. Yeah, uh, I would actually... Well, she's all she's she's got a tremendous command, and this is very important for a sequential storyteller, mm-hmm. um, comic book artist. She's got a tremendous command of the human form. Yeah, you know, this is why she's always worked so well on the on the Ultimate Spider-Man, on the yeah. uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, which is pretty much where she she cut her teeth on yeah. that. Um, he, yeah, I can't. It's I can't praise it higher than. Some already, it's it's amazing work. It's some artists work. use like shadow and cross hatching for Spider Man, whatever the case is. Right, yes, mm-hmm. I agree with that too. Uh, she she's very much like David Marquez in that in that. Yes, because he's amazing too, where he can literally just draw a confident line, and there's depth and weight to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no, no need for all the the crazy cross hatching yeah. or the over no. the over exaggerated. You know, yep. No, just, it's just perfect. It's, Perfect confidence in the form. Yep. And the human form is interesting enough without having to snazz it up with all kinds of, you know. Yep. And I don't, I'm not, and I don't denigrate any other artist who does that. I'm just saying it's, it's notable for not doing it just as it is exactly. notable for doing it. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so that's, that's where we'll get through with the art. Uh, Cadaverous looks interesting. Uh, we don't know anything about him. So this is my... <laughs> <laughs> this is my complaints. Here we go. Here we go about the story, and I would like to learn more about him. Yes, so I'll give you that. There was a definitive shock value to seeing Mary Jane murdered, uh, followed imagine. followed by the realization that none of this is going to count. Whereas you've had previous, like Joss Whedon, when he wrote X Men. Mm-hmm. He wrote well. He, first of all, he wrote the definitive Kitty. Pri- he brought Colossus back to life right. in his run. He wrote the definitive Kitty Pride as the headmaster, which has been now templated and used uh, over and over again. Like putting her, you know, setting her yeah, up to be the headmaster. He, he, he established that ground directly has influenced the continuity. Uh, this is going. I can't see how, and maybe I'm wrong. And again, this is the first issue how this is going to influence the continuity. The second thing that I, that I found was that aside from, a, from that particular scene and the scene where Ben Parker tosses the bully through the classroom door, I don't see it as anything... Like, I can't... Like there's nothing really like that stands out. It's such a quick issue that... It's this modern storytelling 
of we're going to just take yeah, this like, as a as a movie or a TV series and write it as a comic because we know we have six issues. We know you're going to pick up the next one, you know. And I just didn't think it was. I just didn't yeah, think it was anything from, spectacular. Going from the first five pages of say something like uh, V for Vendetta to to this Spider Man would be like, wow, am I reading a coloring book? Like, where's right. where are the words? What's what's going on? How come nobody has decided to explain anything to me or set anything up. Right. Yeah, and, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm sure they yeah. will, and, and you can, but right. then this is this is the fault of, I think, again, the modern storytelling. So, this is, so basically, you're saying you had the same problem with it as I am having with the House of X, uh, or, the, or the Powers of X and House of X story, is the fact that none of this is going to stay. No, see, I know? disagree with you. That's where I think we disagree. I think Powers of X and House no, no, of no, X. No, 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 no. Listen again. Okay. Basically, you're saying about Spider-Man what I'm saying about House of X. I didn't say you agreed. I'm just we're oh, on a different you. subject. I got you. I got you. Yes, yes. Okay, I don't want to get into an argument about House I of X. I got you. I like arguing with you. It's fun. Yeah, okay. All right. I agree. Yes, yes, I agree. You never win. That is your issue with House of X. Yeah, and you're saying you're having basically the same... You're 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 worrying about the same staying power of this this Spider-Man thing. Like, why am I reading this? How much of an impact on in the in the, exactly in the industry is this going to make? Right. See, but where I do disagree with you in terms of your assumption of House of X and Powers of X, which look, you could be right. I mean, none of this could stick. Uh, I feel like it's because it's it's affecting the direct continuity, uh, and it reshaped Mora uh, McTaggart in a way that. I think other writers can now kind of like cling to and, and, and see if they can do stuff with. I think it has the potential to stick. This one, just the fact that it, it's not even our Earth, like I can't even imagine it's it doesn't, gonna... It doesn't really matter, though. Um, uh, it's not really how much staying power House of X is going to have. It's that they've messed with the continuity so much that I just don't care about. Like, this is not a... It's not a new thing for me to experience. Like, wow, I'm looking at all these these facets that I'm so used to in such different ways now. Mm-hmm. You know, the the impact is not there because ah, oh, they've changed things. Yeah, it's like um, it's like every five five days you rearrange your furniture in your house. You know, so I come over Monday and your furniture, your sofa is near the window, and I come over Friday, your sofa is near the, uh, you know, near the back door. Yeah. And I come over Sunday and your sofa's moved again. I'm like, I'm not going to be like, like, well, yeah, you know, I really liked, you know, where you had your sofa originally. I'm going to be like, well, all right, obviously this is going to be, the scenery is going to keep changing. Right. So I'm not going to get used to anything. Right. And that's, that's basically the, 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 the bad will that they've earned. Yeah. In the last, like, I don't know, almost decade of constantly messing around with the continuity. So that's how, that's why I feel that way. I don't, I don't, I, I hope it stays like that. The, I hope I'm. I hope I'm dead wrong. I hope it stays like that for another ten years. But the the other thing too about this book too is that it feels the Spider-Man very, book you're talking. Yeah, about. it feels very like, uh, like obviously they're big fans of Into the Spider Verse because you have this like cynical, uh, depressed Spider Man, and it's like you know I don't yeah. know I, I, maybe maybe I'm just a cynical depressed reader. <laughs> maybe that is. I you got it. You're you're see I'm unlike you. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna dissuade you of your feelings. <laughs> of it. That's how you feel. That's how you feel. I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong. 
for feeling that way, you know? Um, the art is beautiful and the story is interesting. It's going to, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I, com- I completely agree with you. I don't think it's going to have a, a lasting impact because they've changed things so much. I think, I guess, I guess the, what we're supposed to take from all this is that we're supposed to change our perspective on the, the medium of comic books in and of itself. Maybe what comic books are becoming mm-hmm. are just a whole, um, a whole series of unattached stories yeah. you know, and reimaginings and one-offs all, you know, over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And so we're going to, you know, that's, that's kind of how we're going to have to start looking at things that they're not all tied together in this one universal continuity, but that there are, you know, they're, they're all what ifs, yeah. you know, or just, you know, reimaginings or something like that. And I mean, I don't, I wouldn't mind that either. I just, I would just need them to let me know that so that I can, you know, I can know exactly what kind of impact these things are going to have, you know? Yeah, it, it is. It's interesting to see where these things kind of go from here. All right. Well, got to, again, thank our guest collective soul. Awesome. Uh, to have Mon, it was, it was really tremendous. Uh, and next week, believe it or not, New York Comic Con is here. Uh, yeah. We'll be broadcasting wow. on the eve of New York Comic Con. Uh, we have Newsarama's Chris Arrett coming on. He's going to give us what we need to know about the biggest show on the East Coast. And should we basically just be prepping, which we will be, for the arrival of a certain Batman villains movie, which will be debuting thursday that week yeah after yeah it's gonna so, be a crazy week for we got, a, we got a lot of things going on so we're very very excited so thank you for joining us guys see you next week have a good night Sire.